Hi, I'm Mackenzie Loy, and welcome back to the New Majority Investor Circle, a podcast for everyday new majority investors looking to invest in founders who look like them. At the New Majority, we scan the top equity crowdfunding platforms for new majority founders, founders who identify as women, BIPOC, or LGBTQ. Every founder we feature is from underrepresented communities, building a company with a for-profit business model has impact built in as measured by the UN Sustainable Development Goals. And of course, they're currently fundraising from you. Our mission is to close the racial and gender wealth gap through entrepreneurship and investing. With this podcast, we hope to give you a better understanding of who you're trusting your money with and how these founders aim to use your funds to have a broader impact on society while building upside. Welcome to today's episode of the New Majority Investor Circle podcast. If you live in D.C. and L.A., you may have seen or actually used the product being built by today's guest and featured founder, Jess, co-founder and COO of Throne. Throne is on a mission to make public bathrooms cleaner, more reliable, and smarter across the U.S., ensuring bathroom accessibility for everyone. With lots of cities desperate to upgrade their public bathrooms infrastructure, Throne is stepping into an untapped and overlooked market, bringing exciting innovation. Their efforts align with the Sustainable Development Goals number six and number nine. And it's also worth noting that World Toilet Day, recognized by the United Nations on November 19th, is just around the corner. So this day raises awareness about the 3.6 billion people worldwide who lack access to proper sanitation. Jess is a true marketing and operations whiz. Before Throne, she gained experience at Meta, managed partnerships with UN agencies and the World Bank. And fun fact, Jess and I are both Jumbos, Tufts alumni. Um, So we never crossed paths on the Hill, but I love seeing fellow Jumbos in the world bringing to life market-based solutions for society's big problems. So we are truly honored to be sharing this space with you, Jess, on the podcast. We're so excited to highlight you and Throne as one of our featured founders and startups for Q3 of 2023. So thank you for joining and welcome to the new Majority Investor Circle podcast. Thanks for having me, Mackenzie. I'm really excited. So Throne is on a mission that resonates with all humans, literally taking care of a universal need. So I firmly believe that we as customers understand it. We get it. No need to hear about that. But I would love to hear your 30 second pitch of Throne to investors. Sure. I mean, absolutely. Um, We're really, really lucky in that we never really have to describe the need. Um, Everybody knows firsthand what it's like to have to go and not have an immediate place um, that is clean and nice. Throne is on a mission to massively expand access to bathrooms. We don't talk about it a lot, but we all know how stressful it can be to find a bathroom. And it's especially bad for certain groups, such as parents with young children or people with medical needs. And so we've really set out to design a bathroom solution that addresses the main barriers that initially are focused on the 200 million Americans that go that need a public bathroom every week, but ultimately can be iterated on to, to serve this global need. And we've done that in an affordable, scalable way. I love that. And I think that starting domestic with like certain populations, and then once you've proven it out, right, you're growing and expanding. And I think the obviously the market uh, size is massive for Throne. 
I guess thinking a little bit more about, so that's a little bit about Throne and I want to talk a little bit more about you, Jess. So most founders have, you know, personal connection, professional experience, something else that makes them really uniquely qualified to start their companies. And I think, you know, (laughs) the need is so universal, right? Um, But also the bathroom industry is not an industry, I have to admit, that I've ever really thought about prior to coming across Throne. So is there any personal experience or or professional experience that really led you to embark on this journey with Throne? When you were a kid, did you know that you were dreaming about the bathroom industry or what brought you into this space? Yeah, I think, you know, it's actually a, a passion that I've had throughout my career in, you know, working to make lives better. Early in my career, I did political work, community organizing, specifically around mainly tax elections to help bring money into schools or hospital districts and just loved um, kind of that community engagement to make our our lives better, um, educate our children, keep people healthy. And I enjoyed the communications aspect of that as well Um, as kind of a second career. And I think many founders have this in common, which is it's never a linear path to being a founder. (laughs) Um, My second career, I I decided to travel and I wanted somebody to pay me for it. So I, (laughs) I went into international development Um, And had actually done an internship with Kiva.org, which is an online um, lending program um, where people can lend $25 as part of a group to, you know, help someone buy parts for their motorcycle repair shop or things like that. And I just, you know, I I found that I wasn't particularly passionate about microfinance, but what I did love was the application of new technologies that have entered society to solve problems that have been around um, and had many years working on that in the international space using social media, um, mobile phones and other kind of newer to the scene technologies. Um, And, you know, in 2020, just kind of wanted to turn back a little domestically and met my co-founders, including Fletcher Wilson, who likes to say his GI system is his worst system. (laughs) And the idea (laughs) of actually like solving a place to go um, that makes people relaxed and delighted just seemed like a great way to spend time and, you know, kind of had that string of making lives and communities better while also being able to apply these new technologies um, to a real world problem. Before Throne came along, there hadn't been a whole lot of innovation in the public bathroom or portable bathroom space for about 50 years since plastic plastic porta potties were invented. That's also wild to point out that plastic porta potties was the last big invention in this space. <laughs> um. <laughs> So, okay, I love that. And I think it's very true that, you know, we're always looking, I think we're taught from like a, when you're young and like academics, it's very like linear approach to life. But I think once you graduate from whether it's high school, college, grad school, you realize how actually non-linear it is. Are there one or two moments from whether it's um, the experience with Kiva or international development or Meta or previously one or two moments where you are surprised that how often you think about them as like how often they've actually contributed to your experience in building Throne, even if it wasn't related. 
Yeah. And I actually think it goes far back to early in my career when I was working on political campaigns. Um, as I mentioned, they were tax elections. And so, yeah, not a direct connection between no. taxes and no. thrones. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was raising bo- parcel taxes or bond measures to fund, you know, new school facilities or, you know, new uh, or more you know, hours for teachers, things like that. So, you know, generally things that the community that communities wanted, but they're always those naysayers um, that for some reason, like, just make a stink, right? They're at every city council meeting, they're writing letters to the editor. And I think early on, you know, especially as a young person in my career, my my compulsion was we've got to answer them like we've got to like tell them why they're what they're saying is wrong um and and maybe even change the plan or change the messaging to adapt to these few voices that just happen to be pretty loud um and i think you know i learned at that time like actually that's not what you should do it's a big distra- distraction and it's best to actually just keep the focus on what you're trying to do and the and the positivity that you're bringing into the world and so you know in that 10 minutes just very concretely in the 10 minutes that it would take to reply to a nasty letter to the editor you know, I, I could have called uh, five voters to get them to commit to the polls or trained five volunteers that would, you know, call 100 voters. And so I think I've taken that throughout my career. And with Throne, it's one thing that I come back to a lot, right? Where it's mm-hmm. the overwhelming majority of people love what we are doing. They love the Throne. They think it's so cool how we're using technology to solve the bathroom problem and specifically like uh, around accountability. Uh, so there are multiple ways to enter a, th- a throne, but each one requires a unique user ID, whether somebody's texting to enter using an app or using one of our tap cards. Um, they are, it is a technology um, driven process. And there are a few people that, you know, don't like that. <laughs> um and they're not taking into consideration the benefit of the social science behavior that we get when there's a, some level of accountability added to our to our bathroom use. And you know, I could spend time, you know, responding to them about our privacy, our data privacy policy that is extremely ironclad and and you know, very 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 well thought through and collecting the least amount of information on individuals. Or I could talk about you know the the various things that they're pointing at. But at the end of the day, like really what what we need to be doing is like building that product. And, you know, our number one value at Throne is like be lovable. And we use that a lot in our product and business decisions. And just saying like, is what we're doing the right thing is basically what it comes Mm -hmm. down to. And if we are saying yes to that, it really doesn't matter what, you know, a gadfly at a city council meeting (laughs) or, you know, somebody posting on X or formerly known as Twitter is saying about us. So just keeping the eye on the prize of like what we're doing is by far and away a huge public good. And and people do love us that that are experiencing and using thrones in the real world. I love that. I also think be lovable would not have been necessarily the first value that I would have like would have popped into my brain for a throne. But I also think that that speaks to kind of like the empathy and approach that you guys are taking to a very universal, but like personal (laughs) matter. Yeah. I think just one thing to add to be lovable is it, it really touches a lot. It's not just on, 
you know, how we handle data or how we build the product or how we enable access. It's also about cleanliness and making sure that people when they're inside are having a good experience. So it really touches all aspects of our business. And I think so thinking about kind of what are the different maybe challenges that you have navigated, you and the other co-founders have navigated for Throne. I think there's some of you know, the ones that might be uh, more expected, but are there anything that was surprising to you about some of the biggest challenges that you have faced in trying to bring kind of technology to this thing that hasn't been innovated for 50 years? And and then how did you navigate those challenges? Yeah, I don't think there's anything particularly surprising. I think it's one of the benefits of having a an older founding team. We're all in our late 30s, early 40s. <laughs> um, and so, and all of us have been involved in startups before. Um, And so I think not surprising, but one interesting thing that I hadn't necessarily had to deal with as directly previously was just on, on resources. I think every founder will tell you resources is one of their biggest challenges. Um, But with a physical business, I think it's even harder. We require specific Mm -hmm. people with specific skill sets at specific times for cleaning, for technical issues. And early on, I think it's been hard to make sure that we have everything that we need and and we can't have everything we need. So it's really been trade-offs around that. I mean, one example of the way we've dealt with it creatively is on the technician front in DC, we've actually had our field technicians that go out and fix thrones in the physical world, also working as kind of production techs, um, helping us build up the, the final assembly of the electronics and smart aspects of the throne. Um, and that, that's that been really wonderful. It's allowed us to have a very tight feedback loop between operations in the field and R&D and product designs and improvements. It's also allowed us to keep our technicians occupied productively uh, when they're not getting called out to issues. But you know, as we've grown and expanded, that's gotten harder and harder. Finding the right time to actually make a change and add resources or even split teams has been the most um, difficult. And I think the way that we've done it, and and this kind of comes back to another company value, which is like transparency and direct communication, but we, you know, discuss trade-offs and impacts and risks of doing or not doing things or resourcing or not resourcing with our teams. And while the leadership ultimately, ultimately makes the calls, like I think we are, we've been much better off at not of making those right decisions at the right times by really engaging our team and then, you know, communicating back the why of that decision and expectations. So with that technician example, we've had to look at usage patterns and decide, okay, we're not going to staff this shift with a technician. Um, and if something happens during that shift, it's going to have to, you know, wait to the next one. And, and we communicate that clearly but also do so smartly by looking at the data we've collected and really understanding for our, from our team, what their stress levels are and, you know, what they're going through. I think that's so interesting. I I think, yes, I can see the danger as you guys grow, but I also think in the rapid iteration, how do we keep building? How are we scrappy? I think that's perfectly beautiful to have that technician example. I also think that that probably speaks like, where did that idea come from? And from the leadership, you said that you're a little bit on the older side for 
I feel like the typical startup story, <laughs> but is that even the norm? I don't know. I think that's just the one that gets touted about around a lot, right. but the team has huge depth and experience. So how did you meet Fletcher? How did, like, how did you guys come together? Um, and then it's not just about the the founding team. It's also about the team that you've been able to surround yourselves with. It's really impressive. It's really complimentary. So can you talk a little bit about, yeah, how you guys met and then uh, how you're growing the team? Because as an investor, right, that's super important. You all are the ones who are executing. So I'd love to hear about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We've been super lucky. I think this idea just attracts good people. <laughs> I actually think the idea is a little bit of a filter. Um, and it kind of goes to our origin story. I was introduced to Fletcher through a friend of mine um, who also founded a company that kind of merged hardware, software, and public space. <laughs> um, and uh, was intro to him in April of 2020. So peak lockdown, we met on <laughs> Zoom. Um, I think my new puppy like peed on the rug during our call. <laughs> Um, very fitting, but yeah, it was just an informational brainstorm or chat. There was no discussion of co-founding, you know, that was not on the table at that time, but I signed my follow-up email with I heart toilets <laughs> and it was kind of like, that was kind of it. And I heart toilets has now become one of, one of our values. Um, and is actually, we use it all the time in hiring in particular, because we, we, you know, you don't need to love you know, the physical toilet, um, but it's, been, it's come to mean really people that have a passion and a curiosity and are generally are genuinely excited about what we're doing. Um, and those are the people we want. And I think we're really lucky in that maybe a hundred percent of people that want to work for startups don't want to work for a bathroom startup, <laughs> but then we're really getting people that are pumped about our mission and our vision and our product, not just you know, those that are chasing this like startup dream and lifestyle. So I think it it really has been our best filter for hiring and, and we continue to like attract people that, that feel that way. Um, and I should plug right here that we're actively expanding our team in LA and especially looking for an awesome generalist to join our launch team. So if you're moved by our concept, like reach out at careers uh, at thronelabs.co. I love that. And especially if you heart toilets, but yeah. also I think that's so amazing. And that's something that I've learned in whether it's your first hire, your interns, you mission and believing in the vision is that is like the number one criteria for me. You can't teach a love or appreciation. Like our mission is to close the racial and gender wealth gap through entrepreneurship and investing. And if you're not all in on that, it doesn't matter if you're wonderful and incredible in every other sense. We need people who really believe in the mission. So on that note, what are the other values? So we have be lovable. We have transparency. And then I heart toilets. What, what else? We have be lovable. We have transparency is king. We have owner plumber. Um, so <laughs> that actually comes from a place of we're all literally owners. You know, we uh, give options to every employee, but we also really expect everyone to take pride in what we're doing and and um, treat Throne like they are the owner um, and, and have that commitment and that level of pride. And then also be willing to be the plumber um, and, you know, get down and get dirty and like do what it takes. I think you know, the story we often tell that's that's connected to that is at one point we were shooting a, a, 
a promo video, a demo video for Throne and the and I arrived about 30 minutes early to the throne just to make sure everything was okay. This was an early iteration of the product. Uh, I think like V2 or maybe, yeah, V2. And uh, overnight the the toilet had actually overflowed and the entire throne was, the, the floor was covered with a thin layer of feces ridden water. And, you know, I had an option here of like, I could call the cleaners and be like, hey, you got to get down here and clean this. But that that really wouldn't have happened in time for this video shoot, and so I just like put on my gloves and my mask and my hazmat gear, still pretty peak COVID, and I was like, I'm doing this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna clean this, and um, you know, it's gone a long way. I think it speaks, you know, the fact that our leadership will do that has really allowed us to you know motivate the team in a way that we're all owners and plumbers. So <laughs> that is one of our values. Uh, I think another one is prioritize safety. And this is all around. This is, you know, safety of our staff in our warehouse and our production facility, you know, as well as safety of users, making sure that there are things like manual exits for the throne, even though it's, you know, an automatic sliding door mm-hmm. and things like that. But just, you know, making sure that this remains to be a, a super positive, um, safe experience for for both our team and, you know, our community of users. Um, another is don't be creepy. Um, we're, we're a bathroom company and there's lots of creepy stuff that that could be done. Um, you know, we do not put cameras inside. I mean, that seems like a no brainer, but, you know, we get asked that all the time. Um, we also treat data very cautiously and and collect as little as possible that is you know personally identifiable, really only collecting the bare minimum to allow us to create some level of accountability. And then, yeah, transparency and I love toilets. So it it's a it's an action packed uh, six core values. I think that's probably the most creative uh, version of values that I've heard, and also just really really authentic. And you kind of sparked a question for me. So for the the listeners who are um, listening to this podcast who maybe aren't in DC, aren't in LA, can you just walk us through what that user experience is with a throne? And specifically, I'm I'm curious to hear like you know, we always are saying like technology, they're smart, right? So yeah, walk us through what a user experience, if we'd be so fortunate to to find one in, in the public. I hope you do. And please let us know how it goes. So there are a couple of ways to get in, but I'll just walk you through the most, um, the most common at this point yeah. is somebody walks up to a throne there. It is fully ADA compliant. We have a ramp. Um, they they quickly see a large QR code and instructions on the side. Most people then take their smartphone out, um, scan the QR code. That pre-populates a text message that says, send this message to open the throne. They hit send. The door actually opens for them. They walk in. There's um, an audio welcome letting them know a little bit of information about the throne. The door will then close and lock behind them. Um, they can do their business, wash their hands, everything is completely touchless, uh, and then they can wave to exit. So there's a small sensor that they can wave to exit. If for some reason the power went out, which rarely happens, but if, or if, you know, they're impatient and they just want to go, there is a manual exit that they can pull. Um, At that point, they actually receive a text message that asks them for a cleanliness rating. And then we get that cleanliness rating and use it to inform our operations. 
you would may or may not be surprised that uh, if it is not up to their standards, people reply in excruciating detail. <laughs> but it's great. We get about 44% of people giving us cleanliness ratings that allows us to really manage our operations super efficiently and effectively. So we're not going out if if a throne is really nice and spending our um, limited resources on that and really targeting um, the cleaning and servicing that that is needed. Yeah, that's that's generally how it works. There are a couple other ways to enter. You can just text. Um, you don't need to scan the QR code if you have a non-smartphone. And then we also have an app that also provides additional information like a map and navigation to thrones. The latest cleanliness rating, that's an aggregate of like the last three users um, that provided scores. Uh, and then we do have a tap to enter card as well that uses NFC technology. And that's, we partner with either... Um, public entities or nonprofits serving unhoused populations to ensure that, you know, really everyone has access um, because although there is uh, most, most unhoused people have phones uh, through a government program called Lifeline, they're not always uh, charged. And so we just want to make sure that we truly are accessible to everyone. I love that. And I also think that it, maybe this is niche to you to to throne in the bathroom industry, but getting feedback sometimes is the hardest thing uh, to know how to improve your product. And that is not a problem for you all. And I feel like that's a little bit of a secret sauce. Yeah. And people want to give feedback. Like if you think about when you've gone to a park and a public restroom, you're not going to spend 20 minutes of your day going to find the park manager to tell them something's wrong. But if they were standing right there asking you, you would tell them. And that's essentially what the phone allows us to do. That's amazing. We're going to pause our episode for a quick non-sponsored ad. This podcast is not sponsored by Who Gives a Crap Toilet Paper. The certified B Corps producing both recycled toilet paper and bamboo toilet paper was founded by three friends in 2012 and did their first manufacturing run after raising on Indiegogo, not equity crowdfunding, but product-based crowdfunding. We thought they'd be a great first non-sponsor of this podcast and quite complimentary for our guest, Jess, who is revolutionizing the public bathroom experience. So if you're looking for an eco-friendly option to wipe your tush or even your nose, they now have forest-friendly tissues. Go to whogivesacrap.org, buy your first order that will ship plastic-free and via carbon-neutral shipping. And while I don't love the buy one, donate one impact model, Who Gives a Crap has impact built into their products, and they donate 50% of profits to organizations working on clean water and toilets around the world. And now back to the toilets themselves. Where does the name Throne come from? Fletcher had a bunch of horrible names, and luckily his his wife <laughs> also has that transparency with him, um, and she actually came up with Throne. And the most interesting thing about it is I think we all immediately loved it, but we also had a lot of discussions about whether or not that would lead to our brand actually being royalty-inspired. And we decided specifically not to, because we do want this to be the every man's throne. We want it to be accessible and, um, you know, putting an actual throne or a crown or, or any um, anything like that just didn't feel right. Um, but we liked we liked the nod while making it something that that is for everyone. I love that. Just one more very quick anecdote. I don't know if it's of interest, but 
Um, we spent a lot of time uh, thinking about our logo, and that was something we designed together um, after the, the core co-founding team came together. It's a mix of a map marker, because the vision here mm -hmm. is that you open your app and you see just a map of more more than one within five minutes of where you're standing and have to go. But then specifically chose a toilet. Um, there's a really interesting 99% Invisible uh, podcast about- I love 99% Invisible design. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's about toilet signage and really inclusivity was a big piece of that. And, you know, even gender, like even male, female signage that we typically in the U.S. associate with bathrooms creates a gender. And it's like sometimes they do the like if it's gender neutral, they have like the half skirt. And it's just kind of like, well, you're not actually disrupting the paradigm there. And so we actually went more towards like the British version of like WC of water closet where it's not gendered at all and just put a really cute um, bathroom or toilet in a map marker. <laughs> That's funny. And I just like re-looked up your guys's logo so that I could see that as you're talking about. I was like, yeah, yeah, I see it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to switch from kind of the product and your story into the actual fundraise, right? So we featured Throne as an amazing opportunity to invest in, as we said before, an industry that hasn't seen any innovation um, in 50 some years and also is bringing kind of this smart and accessible lens to a public good. So I think that all of that culminated in like, e well, plus it's bathroom. So immense popularity um, <laughs> on WeFunder. And it wasn't just popularity that translated into actual dollars. So in, was crowdfunding from the get-go something that, you know, with your background in Kiva, microfinance, is that something that you're like, absolutely, we're always going to raise on equity crowdfunding? Um, how did that play in your decision alongside um, fundraising alongside a round of other institutional investors. Yeah. And as you're alluding to, we're doing both. And a quick interlude on the phrase side by side. The throne is raising an institutional round of funding from angel investors, VCs, and other institutions, while also opening up an equity crowdfunding or community round focused on everyday investors. So this is a way for them to raise from both everyday and accredited investors. I think this this product is for everyone. Uh, and we have often been asked by people that have just come out of a throne, like if they can invest. <laughs> um, and they usually mean like a small amount of money. And as you know, like they're just it's it's difficult to take that money in in a regular cap table. And so WeFunder seemed like a, a great way to open up the opportunity to those that share our mission, that loved Throne. Um, and as a side bonus, I think we're building a strong base of champions across the country that can help advocate for us as we expand. So it's really hitting um, both kind of a funding goal and also you know, just building our community. And yeah, I think, you know, it's it's gone really well for us. We we've been the most raised on WeFunder this week and and loving it. So it's been super exciting to see you know the hundred dollar checks come in, the fifty thousand dollar checks come in, and I think I really value, it, especially as you point out with my Kiva experience, the power of crowdfunding. Um, mm -hmm. But we are closing on October fifteenth. Yeah, who knows if we'll bring it back or not? I hope so, but we'll see how we'll see how it goes. <laughs> And for a brief overview for our listeners, can you share how the terms differed if they did between the equity crowdfunding WeFunder campaign and those for the, the side-by-side -side round? 
Right. They were the same. So um, we didn't change anything. Uh, we're a convertible note with a 12 million valuation cap or a 20% discount and an and 8% interest. Um, and those are our early bird terms. And we have about at the at time of recording, 185,000 left on those early bird terms on WeFunder. And I would just like to point out that that's not always the case for um, campaigns that are doing side by side. And I think that really speaks to Throne's commitment to accessibility, to equitable access. So um, I think you guys are really living kind of your values in not just saying them, but in how you're doing the financing and then also within your product. Absolutely. So then with the campaign closing out soon, hopefully with a little bit more of a boost at the end, what are the specific goals? So as an investor, kind of what should I expect to see um, in Fletcher's next quarterly update? And I would like to shout out Fletcher, great job on your investor update. That was more detailed um, and insightful than I, I've seen from others. Um, and this is part of what I think the new majority loves is not just investing and getting a piece of ownership, but also really getting to understand kind of what are the decisions, what are the priorities maybe that y'all are balancing and how they might be able to help right beyond their dollars. But what are the maybe specific growth goals, milestones you're looking to to achieve and maybe say it within, you know, a year and then or let's do a quarter, a year and potential exits. Get us excited. Sure. <laughs> Great. So in the next quarter, I, we are laser focused on two things showing profitability in the DC market. And we are super close to that. We're about one to two thrones away from breaking even at the city level. So if we look at the contribution of the, that the city's bringing in through revenue and what we're spending on it. Um, and then we're also, you know, launching in our first expansion market, which is Los Angeles and really working towards having a happy customer there, which is LA Metro, the one of the largest transit agencies in the in the country, um, covers all of LA County. And then next year, it's really moving from the business model validation towards financial independence, um, continuing that expansion to new markets, validation with new cities of various sizes. I think we see medium, large, and extra large cities as all contributing towards our growth um, and really just helping validate and extrapolate to what this business could look like at scale. Yeah. And then lastly, on your exits question, I think you know, our primary goal is to build a large profitable, durable business. Um, we do see a lot of long-term value in thrown as a company and don't have aspirations for any sort of short-term flip. That said, I think as we build uh, the national footprint in particular, and we're getting these long-term sticky contracts from, from customers, um, I talk to customers all the time that are you know already talking about doubling the number of thrones for next spring in D.C., we, we do see interest from kind of the traditional portable sanitation space, and that is more of like a short to medium term um, interest that we're getting there. And then long term, we see incredible synergy with delivery, logistics, and gig economy and enterprise companies, those that have these mobile workforces that are on the go that, that may not have an office bathroom to speak of. Yeah, not to get too nitty gritty, but we've all seen those news stories about the plastic bottles that are filled with something yellow that really increased once Uber and Lyft drivers really increased. So I think there's a lot of opportunity there. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So in your role, obviously with the new majority, we're really focused on founders who are 
identify as women, people of color, LGBTQ. And so I'd like to just give space to, in your role as a female founder, a COO leadership, what is the best advice that you have heard or given that really has helped you stay committed, keeping to, you know, continuing to push, make progress? It's not easy despite all the successes that you all have had. So best advice. Probably make time for yourself and stay committed to it. I think the Thrones in particular, they're on seven days a week. Um, with LA, we're expanding to, you know, a throne will be on in one market or the other 20 hours a day. Um, and no one can be on that whole time. And we all work hard, but I think communicating what we need and having kind of sacred time, whether it's vacation or kids events or yoga, yoga classes is really important. And then, you know, personally, as a single female <laughs> that does not have kids, um, I also really like to tell younger women in particular that, you know, your date or your alone time is just as important, important as like picking up the kids from daycare, or taking them to ballet. Like, I think oftentimes that can be overlooked and just really committing to oneself to, to make time, but then also making sure that happens by, by communicating to others. And I will say that like my co-founders and team are just so great in, in making sure that we're all taking care of each other. And I think it sounds that alongside or like within your values, that's not just something that's advice or, you know, something that you you recommend, but something that you're putting into practice for yourself, but also for your team. So that as the team and the culture grows, um, you got, you're, you're protecting that. So I think that's pretty clear. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one just kind of quick tip is, you know, one of the things I personally love to do is I do weightlifting twice a week and I have a trainer that I work with. And that is on my visible calendar for the entire company to see. And, you know, on Tuesdays, it's at like 1130 or something. So like it, it cannot be scheduled over. And it's, it's you know, that level of public, because I do think sometimes founders say this and then, then don't either live it in practice or hide it in ways that aren't super visible. So I would just kind of add to that is as someone in leadership, I think it's important to really just make it visible and, and be transparent about it. So others feel the permission as well. And now just for fun, what is the worst advice that you've received? And no need to credit to anyone. You can just leave it out there. I'm not sure what the worst advice is. Um, That's because you've taken it in. and Yeah, I've let it, it go. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I think early on when I was considering joining Throne, just because this is probably relevant, I had somebody I really trust and respect, um, you know, warned me that maybe we would have trouble finding talented people to work on toilets. And yeah, just to our, to our previous chat, I think uh, it's mm -hmm. been the opposite. It's been a great filter. So yeah, maybe that's the worst advice, but there's probably been way worse than that. And I'm <laughs> in and out. <laughs> that's what I always say with advice. If it's not useful, either put it away for a, a later date when it is, or just set it aside. Absolutely. So as we kind of wrap up here, I would love to, you know, think a little bit more around, um, we've got a week and a half at the time of recording, right, of the campaign left. Um, what is the final pitch to potential investors? Why should, and, you know, our audience is, again, everyday new majority investors, 
why should they invest in Throne and in you? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, you can read the financials on the WeFunder site. Um, so I'll just go generally, but you know, we're solving one of the biggest needs in the world. Literally everyone understands the stress of having to go to the bathroom and wanting a clean, safe place to do it. And no one is innovating in the space. And our closest competitors are the porta potty and the public restroom. So you do the math. <laughs> <laughs> and hop on board. And so here at the new majority, you know, we've talked a lot about the dollars. Um, you know, investing is, is traditionally in the, the capital sense, but there are other forms of capital and value that you can bring. And so what would be your ask to the new majority investors beyond dollars? Yeah, I think it's talk about us. Tell your local officials, tell your city administrators, um, you know, follow us on social so you can know what's going on and, and share with your communities. Um, Thrones sell themselves. And really, it's just a, we need to get the message out there that we exist because we're such a new and innovative idea that um, many people don't go looking for a smart public restroom. Um, so please, you know, please do that. And as, as a second thing, like if you heart bathrooms and would like to work with us in L.A. or D.C. or a future market, reach out careers at thronelabs.co and, you know, would love to learn more about you. And, you know, good people are are always needed as we grow. So encourage people to just connect. And if you need any follow-ups on that, we will put those in the show notes. Thank you so much, Jess, for joining us. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate the work that you're doing um, and hope to see Thrones literally nationwide, at least in, in the next couple of years, if not sooner. Absolutely. You and me both. Thanks, Mackenzie. If you loved what you heard, please subscribe to the podcast and share with another Angel Curious friend. A big thank you to our Investor Circle members who support our podcast. And if you're not already a member, check out the show notes or go to thenewmajorityinvest.com to join today. Mm -hmm.